Welcome to the Balanced Being Podcast with Guni Sodi. Your life made simple. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Being Podcast with Guni Sodi. I hope you guys are enjoying all these amazing guests that we get to have on. I know it's been a little bit since I did a solo cast, but I just can't say no to the, all these guests that are just crossing our paths and are such interesting people. And I believe they add value to kind of, you know, what you guys are already doing. And it's so diverse, too. That, and that's, that's what gets me excited and really wants to bring them on. And today, I also have somebody here with me who is extremely unique. And in fact, she is one of the first mediums I've had on the show. And I'll explain a little bit more. And so will she. But my guest today is Amy White. Amy is an international best-selling author, highly sought-after speaker, and intuitive median on a mission to help individuals heal the past, discover personal truths, and thrive. Amy's one-on-one coaching, digital courses, and public talks allow audiences to gain a deeper understanding of the beliefs that are blocking their most authentic self. How amazing is that? I mean, most of us struggle with that a lot, and I'm excited to hear more about that. Her insights and techniques help usher in big, bold changes and more subtle aha moments that lead us closer towards our dreams. How amazing does that sound? And Amy, just with that, I'm so excited to have you on the show, and I'm so excited to learn about your journey and just sharing your experience and knowledge with the audience. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. So Amy, I was reading your story about how when very early on, you were given this gift that early on, you didn't realize it was a gift. And I'm I'm assuming it could have been a little scary, fearful, because it's unexplainable sometimes. But tell us a story about how your grandmother shifted and perhaps led you to what you do today. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's one of my favorite stories to tell because it's just such an amazing experience for me to be, you know, part of. But yes, just to, I guess, just to start, I I always knew that I was intuitive. And I would even say like, when I didn't have the words to say intuitive, I knew that there was always something a little bit unique about how I saw the world. And I came from a very conservative family, conservative uh, religious family. And so they must have recognized it also, because early on the, the messaging that I got from my family of origin was that this was not good, that it was yeah. actually that it was actually wrong and that I could invite bad things to happen to the family if I were to connect to, you know, a deeper understanding or this this mystery of the universe. So I shut down for a very long time. And, um, what, and how old, I'm sorry to interrupt, how old were you yeah. when you were first getting these insights? Just to get a context. I think I always was. I knew things about people when I met them that I didn't know how I knew. And I also didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to know. Uh. Um, And so I think that, you know, again, scared my family and then in turn scared me. But even as, you know, going through middle school and high school and, you know, having conversations with my girlfriends and being able to like just share information with them about, oh, this person likes you or, Hey, I think we're going to do this this weekend. And then it turns out that we did, you know, things that were just kind of fun. A lot of it was, I always wrote it off as coincidence. I would think about someone and they would call on the phone, or I would think about someone and run into them in the store. So it was always there. I just, I didn't embrace it for a very long time. And actually not until really fully late in my um, twenties, early thirties, when my grandmother passed away. Ah. 
Yeah. And that, and she, when she passed away, she started to visit me almost immediately. And it was just this really organic sense for me of like driving in my car and all of a sudden being like, Oh, grandma's in the seat next to me. Or mm. I would be cooking in the kitchen and I could smell her perfume. Wow. I could feel her presence. And it was just, it wasn't even something that I questioned. It was just like, Oh, grandma's here. And as I started to explore that, I became more and more comfortable with the knowing that I could make those types of connections, even if it was for my own good, you know, just for my own process as life will sometimes offer up. I think the bigger experience for me was then to be able to have the confidence and the trust in it to share it out into the world in a bigger way. And I really think what you said earlier, your grandma gave you that comfort. I think maybe it was because of that, that you're like, okay, I think this truly is a gift. I can either look at it in fearfulness or I can think that, wow, I could possibly help people. It took me a while to embrace it. I was much more willing to embrace the intuitive side of me where I could tune into, you know, the infinite wisdom and help guide my clients that way. But I, I often tell the story that my road to professional mediumship was about a three-year contract with Source, where mm. I continued to do this negotiation of, I, you know, I don't want to talk to dead people. I don't want that. I don't want that to be part of my life. And, you know, my guide guidance kept coming back and saying, you really need to be doing this. And so I was able to set some boundaries and set it up in a way that felt honoring to me. So one of the biggest parts of my contract is that I don't want to walk around the world and channel everyone's dead relatives. Like, I don't want to be that open portal. It feels to me like that would be a very challenging way to live my life. And so I'm able to set boundaries both on the physical side, on the human experience side, as well as on the spiritual side to allow those connections to happen when I invited in, you know, um, so it's pretty powerful to be able to, to be able to do it that way. And I would imagine that you probably get a lot of requests. Just recently, one of my really good friends, he passed, but it's been about a year. And his sister just, you know, obviously took it the hardest. They, they, it was unexpected. That's one of the main reasons. And she wanted to do what you're talking about. And she asked me my opinion because my brother had passed. And it's a tough one to answer. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, according to the soul has passed and maybe you want to let the soul do its thing, but that's your call. How do you deal with that sometimes when you just see the emotions on family members and they maybe that's the final closure that they're asking for? Yeah. It must be a tough one. Well, it's very powerful for me and, and I, I'm just in deep appreciation for being able to do that work. One ah. of the things that that I feel works it keeps me from getting too connected into the story is that I'm able to really create that separation and set the boundary of I'm really just the channel and the messenger. I don't get caught up in the actual story. So for me personally, when I'm doing the work, it allows me to be neutral when I'm sharing the information. And I think that then it also allows me to share the most powerful truth of what's being communicated without using too much of my own filters. Gotcha. Um, it's very powerful. And often when people come to me, it is for that closure. 
Um, It isn't for the person who's transitioned into the non-physical because once they've gotten into the non-physical, they're, they're in wholeness. So no matter how they passed, they, they come into their own wholeness, but Mm -hmm. for the person or people who are here left behind in the physical, it's, it's very powerfully healing. Um, I do, I deal with a lot of clients who are, are working through death by suicide of a loved one or a friend. And so for me, that's some of the most powerful work that I do because I'm actually able to bring some understanding to, you know, very often a situation that feels like there's no answers, like, you know, so many questions left unanswered when somebody chooses to pass that way. Um, And for me, the information that comes through and the way that it is delivered really does bring healing to, or, or at least some closure to the people who are here in the physical. It's amazing work. I'm so fascinated by that's gotta be, gotta be so helpful. And I'm sure the families are incredibly grateful because it's not traditionally, you don't find that. I mean, I would almost say, go out on a limb and say the kind of work you do is you heard from somebody who did it, who recommends, you know, it's not like you see an advertise on every block. So right. it's, it's really, it's amazing. But the work that you do, and I think it would be a disservice to you is not just this type of medium work or you're, you're, you're like you said, you're not channeling everybody's right. past relatives. This also powerful work for people struggling or stuck in their beliefs. I want to get into that a little bit, Amy, if you don't mind, is question is two parts. A, why do you think people get stuck in their limiting beliefs when deep down inside we are universal beings with infinite possibilities at every moment? Is it because maybe we forget that? And B, is there a pattern that you see people take? And can you share with the audience the pattern that we can start to recognize maybe in our daily lives and I guess it's a three-part question, sorry. <laughs> and see, see, what can we do to take action on it? Because yeah. action, action resolves everything. I know it's a loaded question, but I'm just so it interested is. because you're not just here, like you said, channeling people that have passed. That's right. a part of your work, but I think a greater part of your work, because I read your whole bio, you know, you work with some Fortune 100 companies and, and individuals, and I'm sure very successful people that are like, hey, you know, and so that, that, that's where I'm trying to get at. I'm trying to remember the first question at this point, but so, um, <laughs> limiting beliefs. Yeah, no, yeah. The, the limiting beliefs. Like, why do you think people get stuck in that? I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons, right? I'll start sort of in the in the spiritual realm to say that what I believe and what I've been shown in the work that I do is that we've come into this human experience for the opportunity to bump up against contrast to to create situations for ourselves where we where we can recognize the this is who we are as a soul truth and this is who we believe we are in the human experience and often you know when we're young we're past information from our families of origin from teachers from people in authority positions of authority that we start to form a belief system and belief systems about ourselves. But would you, but, sorry, would you call that programming that the conscious programming that happens and IE subconscious programming to a level? I would say programming. I, I tend to, um, I tend to like the word conditioning yeah. uh, more Great. because often it's not done in malice. It's just Correct. that the, the, the people who are 
who are sharing this information, who are teaching us not just by words, but by the way that they're acting and by the way that they live their lives. It's really this conditioning where as young people, where we don't have the ability to have the points of reference to tell, oh, this doesn't, this really doesn't feel like it's mine. And, you know, this feels like it's mine. We, we just take everything in and then through our young minds, we translate it into the only way that we can, which is how it is referencing us, you know? So a lot of times we come away with these interpretations of this conditioning to be, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. My, my needs aren't important. My, you know, my opinions aren't important. I'm not strong. I'm not good at math. I mean, there's all of these things that, you, you know, subtly or, or, or overtly we're being, we're being shown. And then we create these belief systems based on that. So, so a lot of times we get into, you know, uh, uh, adult years and we recognize, we don't even recognize that we're carrying these beliefs with us because it's just who we believe we are. And I think that awakening that happens for us at all different ages and based on different things, you know, circumstances is that point where we start to explore, Hey, is this really my belief? You know, I brought up a minute ago, you know, I'm not good at math because my own personal experience, when I was in ninth grade, I had a teacher who really struggled with the way that my brain processed algebra. Mm. And, and so instead of, and, and, and I'm not like, I don't, you know, I don't hold any, you know, grudge or, or anything against this teacher, but you know, I'm sure she was overwhelmed with the number of students she was teaching. So instead of finding a different way for me to understand how to do the math, she just told me that I wasn't good at it. Like Mm. I just couldn't do math. And so I carried that into the beginning of my career in where I was in the corporate world. And I remember one day sitting in my office, doing some statistical analysis in my head and going, wait a minute. I can do math. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, for 20 years, I believed I couldn't do math. That's kind of the example of how I didn't have the ability at the time to go, well, wait a minute, maybe she's just overwhelmed and she doesn't know how to teach me. I immediately turned it on myself and said, oh, I can't do math. I just can't do math. So, and that was a story I lived with. But, but that's so interesting because you came to a, a realization of the awareness. You were aware of that, that you could do math. Honestly, I resonate with you as well. When I was, yeah. I think it was maybe because of math that we were being taught, to be very honest, doesn't really translate into real world stuff. Right. I Completely. mean, I've, I don't know the last time I used the Pythagorean theorem. Do you? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, that stuff is super important. You do that yeah. on a daily basis. But when somebody comes to you and you see this self-limiting belief, do you sit there and listen to them, ask questions, or or how do you help them get over that? The way that I do the work, especially when I do my intuitive work, is I liken it to a coaching session. My role, at least in the way that I've been guided to do this work, is not to say, okay, here's the three things I can see is wrong with you. And if you go (laughs) fix those, your life is going to be happy. I tend to ask you know, questions that will allow people to start to explore. You know, I might say, well, when was the last time that you felt really worthy? You know, Mm. because I'm already getting the indication that there's some story about worth or worthiness in the client's background that they need to explore. But 
I, I tend to guide them to start to that exploration and, or a lot of times I'll call it excavation, right? The soul excavation yep. to get to the root of like, huh, when was the last time I felt worthy? And why is it that I don't feel worthy? You know, what are the things that make me not feel worthy? And what would it look like if I could stand in my value and my worth? You know, and so as we start to explore those things, the stories start to come up where the client will say, oh, I remember this time when my, you know, algebra teacher said X. And all of a sudden, um, it starts to click. Oh, wait, there is something to explore here. And for me, what I've noticed in the hundreds and hundreds of clients I've worked with over the years that awareness is key. It's like once you see something, you can't unsee it. And then you have the choice how you want to address it. It's not something that's broken in us. It's not something that's broken in the client, but it's something that if they can explore it just a little bit, a little bit peeling back that onion, all of a sudden bigger shifts can happen for them. And when they let go of those limiting beliefs, the the space opens up for more to come in, for more alignment with that soul part of them that is like, hey, it's time to look at this because you're here to learn and experience a bigger, bolder, brighter life, but you can't get there if you keep bumping up against the same wall. When I started doing the work, that's exactly what what I experienced too. More space, yeah. mind gets a lot quieter, and you you can almost just sit and be like, "Wow, I never noticed the colors of that tree before." Yeah. Or you know, and, and you just become more present. So more present. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I know you also have this amazing you know story with your um son as well um and that really helped you transition into you know what you do right now it led you to write a book closer to paradise a mother's journey through crisis and healing and you published that i think in 2016 how did what happened and everything you know that you experienced with your son kind of further mold what you're doing for people Yeah, it's a great question because it all really ties together for me. You know, it's that unraveling a little bit at a time. So just a little backstory, right? Back in 2011, my son, who was 16 at the time, went through a very severe mental health crisis. And it led us on this two-year journey through emergency rooms and psychiatric evaluations and suicide attempts and hospitalization and residential treatment and on and on and on. And it was something that happened for me that felt very much out of the blue. I did, I noticed some, you know, depression and some anxiety with my son, but it, I, I had no idea at the depths of which he was suffering and how the break was, you know, happening like overnight. And so it was really this opportunity. We just talked about having awareness, but, and these belief systems, because it gave me this opportunity to look at my belief systems really strong. Uh, in a strong, stronger way. It was, I looked at identity, me as a mother, a mother of a sick child, how society looked at that mental health and how, how people looked at mental health and mental illness and where there was blame and shame and stigma. And then I had opportunities to make choices. Was I going to stay quiet and, or was I going to tell my story and what was the value in doing that? And, you know, all of this exploration around how do I 
how do I learn to advocate for my son and advocate for myself and, and show up for myself and my son? And, and it just really, as I said, it unraveled all of these belief systems and gave me the opportunity to speak my truth over and over, even though it was my voice shook and even though it was uncomfortable and even though I was speaking about things that created discomfort in others. But I realized so strongly that it was important to continue to bring into the light my experience, his experience, and the experience of mental health and behavioral health in America, because I was getting a firsthand experience of how broken the system is and how much, if you don't advocate, how things can really become harder you know, as you move through the process. It can escalate. Yeah, and tremendously. How how is he now? He is very well. He is Good. thriving. Um, and Amazing. It's been, yeah, it's been a really long journey for him. And one of the things that, and you know, and, and it's certainly his story to tell. But I, I, I've I've shared, I've asked him, and I can share. This is that he went through his own awakening during this process too, where he started to unravel many belief systems that he carried with him. You know, it was almost like we were having simultaneous awakenings as we were going through the process. And he's able to really have this awareness and carry the awareness with him of what that journey meant for him and how he can keep himself in wellness. So it's it's really powerful. Beautiful. the, The thing, the tie is to the work that I do now is that I realized that as I said, speaking about things that are uncomfortable, even even if people don't have the ability to always receive it. I don't think that if, if I hadn't gone through that with my son, that I would have had the courage to come out publicly with the channeling and the intuitive work and the mediumship work that I do today. So it was a huge gift. It is. For me. Yeah. And it also allowed me to find this place of really wanting to bring my life experience out into the world in a way that could help and support others. Because during my son's crisis, I actually started a blog and started blogging about like the in the moment experiences that I was having and what I was learning and some of the tools and processes that I had come across that supported me, hoping that it would help others Others. who were going through similar circumstances. And, And the blog was so well received Within months, it was being read in 30 countries and wow. emails were pouring in from parents and caregivers that weren't ready to tell their story but were publicly, but were so appreciative of the story being told so that they could see themselves in my experience and know that they weren't alone. That's um, the most important thing, the community part of it. Yeah. You know? So that's, yeah. that's beautiful. Uh, yeah. And I looked for community for myself because when I'm going through a challenging time, community is so important to me. Absolutely. And when I couldn't find it, I decided to build it because I knew that I couldn't be the only one out there looking for this type of connection that it, you know, it felt so, I felt so strongly guided to, to create it. And then the book was really born on the heels of the blog. I would imagine (laughs) so many people wanted to know not only the the bits and pieces of my lessons learned, which was what the blog really represented, but they wanted the story. They wanted my story, how I survived it, 
But also, and this is what is really powerful and carries over into all the work that I do, that I didn't just survive it, that I took the experience and I learned how to thrive because of it, not in spite of it, but because of it. And I think that's one of the purposes for me and the work that I do is to show people that not how to do it as much as that the possibility to thrive after very challenging heartbreaking experiences is there for all of us. And it's not only there, it's, it's available and we can choose to pivot into that space if we want to. And it reminds me of the, a Tony Robbins quote. He says, life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe that as well. So I, I, I do as well. And I also believe that in the middle of a crisis, that can be really hard to ingest you know, Correct. and I remember people saying, oh, everything happens for a reason. And I was like, that's BS because yeah. I can't figure out the reason no, in the moment. Right? I've been there. I've <laughs> been there. Yeah. You're, you you look at them and be like, yeah, but you're not going through this. So right. you, can, you can say that. So absolutely. Right. And mm-hmm. Amy, thank you so much for sharing that story with your son and how yeah. you've grown. And this is such an amazing conversation. I've learned yeah. so much already. I would like to give you this time to let the audience know where they can learn more from you. I know you offer one-on-one coaching. I know you have some digital courses. So please let us know where the audience can reach you, your website, your social channels. And if they want to work with you, how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest place to go is to my website, which is um, amywhite.co. And on the website, it talks about the intuitive work that I do, the mediumship work that I do, the channeling that I do, Um, the courses that I offer, I do one-on-one sessions. I do group sessions. I also offer a monthly uh, free um, open channeling call where I channel uh, a group of energies that call themselves the greater consciousness. And the greater consciousness represents the infinite wisdom that exists within each of us. And so I channel that infinite wisdom out based on whatever information the greater consciousness wants to share, but it's mostly been about, you know, the, the current time that we're living in now and how we can um, pivot our focus so that we can more, more smoothly ride these waves of transformation. I'm also on Facebook at Amy White Medium, and I'm on Instagram at MZ Amy White, Ms. Amy White. Um, <laughs> and I respond to as many DMs and emails through my website and my social channels as I can. So awesome. If you have any questions, reach out. Yeah. And we'll be sure to include all that in the show notes. I'm sure we'll we'll get that all coordinated. So Amy, this is the part of the show where I kind of call it, both of us can take our hats off and Mm -hmm. we get to know you more on a personal level. I like to ask these off the cuff questions. So if you're ready, we can get started. Yeah. What is a book that you would pass on to your children's children? Do you know my favorite, one of my favorite, favorite books ever is To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, um, and I, you know, there's so much goodness in, in there in a very challenging story. Correct. But I think it is that story of thriving yes. after crisis. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I read that book once a year. Really, <laughs> I, You should see it. It's really a mess. I think I've spilled coffee on it. It's <laughs> But I love it. Like it's just my yeah. It's got your completely. roots. It's yeah. got your it's got your blood, sweat, and tears on it. Is it what you're does. saying, right? It's so, so you know, it's so interesting you say that 
my my son uh we we had the lion king on in the background disney's lion king and that part when rafiki discovers simba still alive and he tells simba and he says remember who you are i'm like oh my god like man this has some knowledge in it like back then you don't know what what they're talking about this is this is deep stuff amy what is a favorite vacation spot of yours Oh, Barcelona, Spain. Ooh, I've never been, but I want to. Oh, heavenly. I could live there. I bet. I bet. What are three things you're grateful for on a daily basis? Oh, I am grateful for my healthy body. I am grateful for the fact that I get to see the sun every day here in Southern California or nice. 99% of the time. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do the work that I do and that I've been able to create this life around doing the work because I'm, I mean, it's really, it is my full-time job. What is the one quote you live your life by on a daily basis? My favorite quote uh, from Rumi, out beyond the ideas of right doing and wrong doing, there is a field and I will meet you there. Love it. And I just, I love it because it gives me this it, it creates the space of um, allowing myself to have my journey and allowing others to have their journey and then coming together in community regardless. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You're right. It, it, Rumi's amazing. Last one. What is your favorite cheat meal? My favorite cheat meal is a double-double In-N-Out burger, animal oh, style, right. with fries. Yeah. <laughs> in Southern California, you would say that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Amy, it's been an absolute pleasure, dear. Thank you so Mm. much for sharing your knowledge, your story, your incredible impact. And it's just interesting, the work that you do. It it, it truly is amazing. And I can just imagine those people that you help find closure. They must be so grateful for that because you may be their last resort, you know, and and I think that's that's so interesting. And it's, it's a gift. It really is a gift. And I'm glad you're using it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Balance Being podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this. It, Amy just brought her A game. She she's you know spilled all her knowledge. It was extremely transparent, and I, I just want to thank her for that. And hope you guys enjoy it as well. So, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you guys next week. We hope this episode helped make your life simple. It would mean the absolute world to us if you share, subscribe, and let others know about the work we do here. Thank you. And join us next week on the Balanced Being Podcast with Guni Sodi.